The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys. We are excited to be here with you today, and we are going to start off with the quirky tip of the day, as always. Hang on. All right, so this is one uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. We have used colloidal silver for a variety of issues with dogs. Um, over the years, but then we found this product we really liked on Amazon that works really well. So it's, um, the, let me talk to my producer, Ed, (laughs) can you get that that? on that small camera Ed, over there? Go ahead and tell him what it is while we do it. Not right at this moment, but I'm zooming in as you look above. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. So this is a good product. Um, if you have like a dog that gets a sore on its neck or some sort of irritation or anything else, it really works super, super well. The only caveat to this is if you have a dog with a lighter coat, sometimes what can happen is um, a little bit of staining. So be conscious of that. Yeah. But this product has worked super well for us. You can get on Amazon. You can also um, use it for yourself for immune support and everything else. So colloidal silver and specifically this guy right from Amazon. Yeah, it's an antibacterial and it's you could drink the bottle. It's not toxic in any way. It's a good product. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about winter activities to do with your dog. What are we going to do in the winter with our dogs, Jess? Well, we're going to share with them today. Um, It's starting to get a little bit cold out here in New England. We haven't had a full snow coverage yet up in Maine, but uh, we're getting close. And uh, the first thing we want to discuss with you guys is C-Spot Sniff. And um, that course we just launched recently, and we're going to keep that going. We've launched the early part of it called elementary school. There's actually um, a pinned post on our Facebook page where you can go and click on it and try a free course and uh, get access to elementary school if you choose to move forward. Well, what but, is it? It sounds like a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just as well could be. There's a lot of benefit um, to doing scent games with your dogs. Some people call it nose work. Some people call it scent work. At the end of the day, it's just teaching your dog to sniff recreationally. Search games is what we're teaching them. How to hunt and uh, have some fun. Yeah, and Scott actually um, started with this type of program out in California and he introduced it into Massachusetts and the New England area when he first moved here. And, um, it's really blown up. It's a exciting sport. We're looking at it from a very recreational perspective. We're not trying to get you guys to go out and compete, but it's a great thing to do with your dogs in the colder weather. Basically you're building value into a box. You can use Amazon boxes or postal boxes or, you know, something small that they can eat out of. And you're teaching the dog that if they go into the box and find the treats and find the box with the correct treats and the reward, then to keep searching and making it more and more difficult as time goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy for the dogs to pick up and um, it can get complicated. It can get difficult real quick. So it's nice because regardless of your dog's level of talent, if you want to call it that, or experience, uh, you can continue to raise the bar so that it's always challenging for them. And that's one of the great things about it, you know? Yeah. And dogs, I mean, a lot of times dogs aren't sniffing very productively. You're out in a walk and they're just wanting to sniff everything. And a lot, most dogs love to eat. I mean, basically if your dog eats, it's a great game for your dog, but it's just putting the sniffing and the eating to use, you know, productively. And the great thing is it's so mentally tiring. So it's something that you can do easily in your living room. You can do almost every stage of the game of all of our courses for C-Spot Sniff right in one room of your house. 
But it's nice that the dogs are a little bit tired afterward. They've been using their brains, they've been using their noses, and it just gets them to a point where it can be easier to deal with them inside. I remember a few years ago, we had so much snow um, in New England that people couldn't even let their dogs out in the yard. Like dogs, the snow was so high that like the fence line was, you know, a foot away and dogs could just jump over the fence. And it got hard. We got a lot of calls that winter. It was funny. I think us and the plowing people had the best business that winter because people were just like, oh my God, I got a friggin' deal with my dog inside all day, every day. And it's driving me crazy. Um, and Scott specifically did a lot with uh, nose work. You did some bed bug detection training and Randy Hair School and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I got involved with the uh, nose work organization out in California. I just, as luck would have it, I was there uh, when they first got that off the ground, and I became one of the first instructors. And great bunch of people, uh, talented bunch of trainers out there. I moved to Massachusetts and started doing classes out here, and uh, took off very quickly. And then. Uh, as I got more interested in it, I went to the Randy Hare School uh, of Detection, which is narcotics and explosives. And uh, that was a lot of fun, interesting. I learned a lot of new techniques and stuff like that. I was doing uh, bed bug dogs, so I was training dogs to detect bed bugs for local exterminators, which was fun for a while, but handling bed bugs is a pain in the butt. Scott would and feed them on his arm. Yeah, I mean, not everybody wants to feed bed bugs, and you know, it's funny. Everyone wants to get rid of bed bugs, but when you need them every day to train dogs, it's hard to keep them alive and get a colony going and all that kind of stuff. There's a logistically, there's a lot of hassles, and at that time, they didn't have the synthetic bed bug odor which they have now. So I would recommend anybody that wants to train their dog on bed bugs to just buy the the synthetic odor from like Ray Allen or one of these. Uh, online sites and so that you don't need to risk contaminating your own home with bed bugs or your own facility by bringing live bugs into your space. Yeah. And right now that industry is pretty populated. I mean, compared to what it was about a decade ago when it was an entry level thing, there's a lot of people out there doing that. And there's probably no purpose for you to have, get your dogs on bed bugs. But the way that we introduce the games for your dogs at home is super user friendly and easy for you. And it just starts with the dog hunting for food for, you know, the first probably 12 to 15 sessions. And then later on, after you graduate from elementary school, you compare that with an odor. We specifically like to use a canine calm odor, just so the dogs are not only hunting, but then also getting a calming scent at the end. But a lot of people use different oils. Some people use, um, you know, synthetic drugs like they are they're like oh i want my dog to be a drug drug dog and then they get the synthetic smell no, i mean if, if you get high so much that you can't find your weed <laughs> it's great you can send, send your dog, dog to look for it send yeah. the dog. we had a good friend um he's big into wine we were teaching his dog to um hit on different types of wine like a cab versus a pinot noir and everything else so there's a lot of stuff you can do with it and the dogs really enjoy it and you found a statistic the other day that dogs use their nose it's a hundred thousand times yeah. greater than a human so now they can smell anything. When if, if you're putting an odor out for them and they're not finding it, it's not that they can't smell it. There's just a disconnect in the training or, and the motivation because they can smell everything. They smell everything in the room when they walk in. That's not an issue at all. So another thing that's great about this with dogs is if you have dogs that are maybe a little environmentally fearful, um, you can help them work through environments where ordinarily they might get stressed out. And it's not that it's going to eliminate all the stress, but when they get focused on a task, like humans, we forget about what's going on generally around us, and we're just focused on this one task. And I've seen many dogs that ordinarily 
would look very intimidated in certain environments, but when they're searching, they just get right to work and they're not thinking about what's going on around them. So it's, it's a great uh, thing to build their confidence and uh, give them something to do in the wintertime when it's yeah. cold out. You and know? the dogs really shine and owners love to see their dogs look like geniuses and That's progress true. as quickly as they do. And it's, it's something that every dog can do. Now, Scott was um, a little hesitant to just promise to the average pet dog owner with the average rescue that they could obtain, you know, the highest title in the sport because it does get difficult if you really want to get out there and get competitive. But really any dog can run through a room and search through different areas of the room to find their treats or a specific odor or something else. And they really enjoy it. And dogs and their noses, I mean, dogs use their noses for things that you don't even recognize right now. Like dogs are detecting cancer at a more rapid rate than most of Western medicine. Like there's a lot of stuff that's going on and progressively, you know, there's bomb detection dogs and obviously drug dogs and everything else. So letting them kind of use that natural instinct and harness that natural instinct, um, really seems to be a win-win because they enjoy it. They were born to do it. And then you get a little bit of rest along the way also. And it's not obviously something you just need to do in the winter. You can do this at any point during the season, but as the ground gets colder and it gets colder to go for those hikes and the weather gets more inclement Sunday, we had a day that was just pouring rain and might as well have been snow. It was so cold, you know, days like that. It's not very fun to go out and do things with your dog and go throw the chuck ball anymore. So, um, this is a good alternative for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, the owners really get excited when I've had so many people come into a class with a new dog and fearful and intimidated themselves, not saying anything because they think their dog is not smart enough to do it. And then their dog's a rock star and they're just thrilled. They just can't believe that the dog actually was able to do this because they just had not had successful experiences with their dog, maybe in obedience training or agility or tricks or this or that that they tried to do and it didn't go well. Uh, but this is more independent. The dog is doing it without the owner. So even if you're worried about your timing and your relationship with the dog, a working relationship, this is a great opportunity for the dog to just get away from you and go have some fun without you. You know. Yeah, it is fun. It's funny because I do a lot of um, shaping and I am very interactive with my dogs from puppies until when they become adults. But it's nice to see the dogs working independently of you. It's not the type of thing where they're looking back for help or their ball rolls under the couch. So, you know, they're looking to you to help them get it out. Like this is them working on their own and then you guys can be working as a unit. So yeah, it's really fun to see that come together. I was going to say that being said, a lot of the detection dog, uh, professional detection dog people, you know, police, military, they put very little obedience on their dogs. They want their dog to not be inhibited in any, in any way or constantly defaulting back to the handler for direction. They want the dog to just get out there and do the job. So for that reason, they don't put a lot of control and they don't build a lot of engagement between them and the dog. They want the engagement to be between the dog and the odor that they're hunting for, you know? Yeah. And three little tips for that would be if you are going to, you know, look into this activity and get your dog excited about it, you want to use something different than what you use to walk your dog around the neighborhood. So ideally, if you're going for a walk, you have some sort of control on your dog, hopefully. Um, so if you use a collar to walk your dog, use a harness. If you use a front attach harness to manage your dog from pulling, use a wide flat collar, like use a different piece of equipment. So it kind of keys them into the activity and makes them feel less inhibited by you and let them kind of go and do their own thing. Yeah. I wouldn't be using a gentle leader to do nose yeah, work. No, you don't want that head <laughs> turning back towards you. And then the second thing would be don't do it right after a meal. And if you free feed your dog, consider feeding your dog on a structured feeding schedule. So they're hungry and they're excited about this and everything else. And don't just go and get some 
dried Charlie bears or, you know, the cheapest treats that you can find out there, get something they enjoy, put hot dogs in there, use some leftover meat without bones in it, everything else, like really build value into that eating and that activity. So they're excited about it and they're looking forward to it rather than think, oh, well, you know, he doesn't really care about it. Well, maybe the dog's just not hungry at that point. And then the third thing is you always want to quit while the dog wants more. So a lot of people get so excited about it, like, oh my God, look at my dog go. And they do 10 reps and then, you know, their husband comes home, honey, look at Sparky do it. And then they get a little bit burnt out. And so the dog throws up. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, but really be conscious of, you know, if you had three really good searches and with a simple one and then it's over, you know, you always want the dog coming back for more and excited about more. Yeah. One thing that's really nice about this activity, unlike a lot of things like, you know, basic obedience, for example, is that you don't need to do this very often at all. And the dogs pick up right where they left off. When I was doing classes, I'd have people come in, we'd have eight people in a class in an hour class, and each dog would get three opportunities to hunt. And each hunting opportunity was only about three minutes. That's it. And then they were put away and they'd come out again after the other seven dogs went, they'd do three minutes and get put away. And in the beginning, people would say, hey, I didn't get enough time in the class. I'm only getting like eight or nine minutes of actual training. But the interesting thing was when they came back the next week, the dog picked up right where they left off. So now three, four weeks into this where the dog has only done 10 minutes a week of training in this activity, they look like rock stars and the people aren't practicing at home. It's just from, because a lot of people, you know, in obedience classes, people would always say, I didn't do my homework. I've been really busy. I didn't have time to do it. And they'd feel all guilty. And the dog looked like they had done nothing with the, with the dog. They hadn't practiced anything. So each week it was like starting over again with a lot of behaviors. With this activity, you can do a little bit, not do anything for a week if you're busy or even two weeks. But when you go back to readdress it and play the game again, the dogs don't forget. They jump right into it. Yeah, so our first tip for you guys for dogs in the winter are search games. See Spot Sniff. Again, um, the link to the course to get involved is in our pin post on Facebook, or you can go to cspotsniff.com. And after the break, we're going to give you guys some other tips, but we're super excited about search games, and we want you to consider it as we get into here with this colder weather. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com Maybe you should spray the pig. That's more than enough. (laughs) All right, oh, guys. One thing I wanted to say, speaking of pigs, they used to have pigs hunt for truffles. Pigs have awesome noses. The problem was the pigs would eat the truffles after they dug them up. Yeah, and those were a little bit expensive. But yeah. truffle hunting is another way to use your nose. All right, so we dealt with the dogs and the scent work. Now we're going to move on to some other things you can do. In the winter, you're not going outside, you're in your house, small area. What do you do with your dog? Well, if you have a treadmill, you should consider using the treadmill. Um, if you don't have a treadmill, uh, they do sell dog treadmills and everything else, but it's a bit of a investment right up front. So go check and see if your parents have a treadmill or your friend has a treadmill or something else, go get your dog interested in it and intro to it and see how it goes. But we're big on treadmills. Yeah. You put I mean, your dog you, on a treadmill like every day. I do. If you can't afford a treadmill, invest in a pair of mittens and a pair of boots and get your butt out there and walk <laughs> your dog, you know? 
<laughs> but if the weather is bad, treadmills are great. They're nice because you can play with the speed and the incline and all that stuff, and you can actually condition your dog over time, and they really enjoy it after they get into the rhythm of using them. Yeah, and we had talked about it um, in podcasts before, but basically what I would say is set your dog up to succeed. So if you're going to intro them to your treadmill at home, block the sides of it, walk on the belt with the dog a few times, give them a treat if they'll eat it when they're on it, turn around, get off, walk back on. And then when you put that thing on, get the pace up so it's not too slow and the dog's not scrambling there. You know, get up to a mile, mile and a half so they can get a little bit of a good rhythm going. And then uh, if they drift back, rather than try to keep them to the front by pulling them forward, let them drift back all the way. And then right before they're going to kind of fall off, then encourage them up. But if you're just pulling, you're creating a lot of opposition. And now the dog's like, oh my God, what am I doing? And you're yanking their head there and everything else. We have at least one or two videos on our canine healing YouTube account. Yeah, with treadmills. Yeah, how to get your dogs on the treadmill and that kind of stuff. Yeah, a a lot of people have a really hard time. But at the end of the day... It goes very quickly if you intro it correctly. And um, you want to get like a successful minute session and then give it a day off, get another successful uh, minute session, give it a day off. And then pretty soon you can get your dogs to 5, 10, 15 minutes. Um, You want to be conscious of the size of the belt, especially with a bigger dog. So, you know, if they're really moving, you want to make sure that their gait has enough room on the belt. So sometimes the human treadmills are a little bit shorter. So, you know, look at the size of your dog compared to the size of your treadmill belt. And then that dog can just more do some walking and everything else. But the thought that they're putting into being on a treadmill versus going on a walk outside is night and day because they have to be thoughtful of every single step. It's not just like, oh, we're outside. This is so-and-so scent. Oh, that tree looks new. You know, they're not just racing through their own thoughts with their um, own ideas that come through their noses and everything else. They're having to think, okay, step, 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 belt, 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 belt. And, and then when you're changing of, the pace. Speaking of their nose, I would definitely use food with them too, feeding them on yeah. the front. But um, people get stressed about this treadmill thing with their dogs because typically they've never done it before. And the dog will look stressed because they've never done it before either. So then the people start second guessing themselves and they say, oh shoot, this isn't working out and they don't do it. Uh, we've put so many dogs on treadmills and we know the learning curve is pretty quick. And we know the dog, if they look stressed out, it's not a big deal. Within a few sessions, they'll be over it and everything will be great. Yeah, no. And it really, it goes pretty quickly, but it's a good thing to consider in the winter. We've had a lot of clients that um, have put their dogs on the treadmill and they're really happy with it. And if it's just sitting at your house and the likelihood that no one there is using it anyway. Shirts hanging off it. Yeah, you might as well put it to good use. All right. Another thing we want to talk about was indoor swimming. Um, We have this awesome place. Build an indoor swimming pool for your dog. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If you can't afford a treadmill, how about you have a swimming room? We will have a swimming room in our in one of our houses our in the future. Our fantasy home, yeah. yes. <laughs> no, really, though. For the dogs. I, I don't even... we have 10 million uh, followers on our... Uh, podcast. Yeah, podcast. I don't, even, I don't even swim, but we'd need it for the dogs. But there are places, believe it or not, that have indoor swimming pools. Um, there's a like more of a rehab kind of place in North Andover, Massachusetts that I've been to before that has resistance and everything else. There's also um, this really cool place in the pet store Dover, New a, Hampshire. A yeah, built-in swimming pool. Yeah, and we we moved closer to it now that we live in Maine. So you can just go and rent time, and if your dog retrieves in the pool, great. Otherwise, you can just kind of walk them around the outside in a leash. But look into it, especially if your dog likes to swim in the summer. Consider it in the winter because, and a lot of times, what's really convenient is these places are attached to like 
a bathing station or something. So on the way out, you can clean the dog up, blow them out so they don't go out with a wet coat and everything else. But if your dog likes swimming already and you haven't considered that before, there's likely a uh, chance that within a half an hour, hour of you, there's a swimming place. And you're not going to take your dog a few times a week, but even if you did it once a month, it's great exercise over the winter to do with your dog. Yeah. No, it's a good time. We, uh, we moved based on where the swimming pool is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say no, I was excited really. when I realized how much closer though, it was. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful pool that they built right into their pet store. And I just thought, boy, they make a lot of money with pet food. They built a whole <laughs> swim pool here just for the dogs to come in. You know? And uh, that pool specifically, I know not everybody has access to Dover, New Hampshire, but that pool specifically is nice because it was modeled what's off it, of... What's it? Woof Meow, is it called? Yeah, Woof Meow. Yeah, there's a great place, place. Yeah, there's another location that they have in New Hampshire too. I think it's in Derry maybe, but they don't have a pool there. But this guy knew someone in the pet industry that had this pool and um, he built it off of them. And there's like a nice way to get in and it's you know, just very user-friendly yeah. to dogs. They can't scratch the side of it or anything else. There's also a pool um, in Amherst, New Hampshire, an American canine country. But if you have not done any swimming with your dogs before, um, consider it over the summer too. Get the dogs into the water. We've talked about doing like a free intro to swimming class because it's not as hard as people think. And then it's a really nice way for dogs to burn off energy and get some exercise in both yeah. seasons. I mean, some people don't want their dog in the pool. I've had many clients in California that would call me and specifically say, I want my dog to be in the backyard. I don't want him in the pool, you know, and that's another issue altogether. Yeah. And pools were bigger out in California. It's not as big a, a thing out here, but if nothing else, you want your dog to at least know how to get out of the pool. If you do have a pool at home and they accidentally fall in, you want to make sure they know how to exit. So yeah. consider indoor swimming if you haven't before. The other thing we wanted to mention is canine fitness. We had um, Bobby Lyons of Positive Performance on our podcast um, a few podcasts ago and you don't have to get super crazy into the intricacies of canine fitness, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do out there with your dogs, with balancing and everything else. And, you know, a lot of women and men, I'm not trying to exclude, have, you know, balance discs at home or fit balls at home that they're using for their own stuff and their own yoga. And again, I if think that's it's primarily women. <laughs> I'm just trying to be open. Ed, do you have a balance <laughs> disc at home? I do not own one. <laughs> well, now we know when okay. we're going to get him for Christmas because he has he has a Bernie's mountain so, dog. Sounds dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but really, you can do a lot of core activities and balancing activities and everything else, and it tires the dog out. And again. These may be products that are sitting in your house just collecting dust anyway, so you might as well get them out and use them for the dog. Yeah, and do some darn obedience training. Just put a leash on your dog and work on sit down, you know, some basic stuff around the house because 10 or 15 minutes of that goes a long way to just getting the dog to kind of take that edge off them, you know? Yeah, and the last thing we wanted to mention um, was retrieving in the snow. So we know that not all dogs go and get a toy and bring it back. But if they love doing that in the summer or in the nicer weather, then do it in the winter in the deep snow too. Of course, you want to be careful that the snow isn't like super crunchy, that, you know, it's going to be an issue for their pads and stuff. But when you have that fresh snow and it's super high, almost, you know, to their chest height or even above, well, if you have never a small dog. find a ball in that. Are you kidding me? That goes back to using the nose. It's great. It's a great way for them now, not even, not only to get out there and get some exercise, but if it goes down in the snow, then start with a basketball <laughs> to make it easy for but them. If, no, if it goes down low in the snow, then the dogs are now hunting through the snow and sniffing for their ball and everything else. But yeah, when you so. do get that icy layer on the top, forget it. Because I can remember several years ago, took took my dog out in the backyard and it was just crunchy enough that you just kind of like crunch through that top layer. 
and he did two or three retrieves, and then we were getting the red dots in the top of that, whereas he was cutting his uh, pads and all that icy stuff, you know? Yeah, so you want to be conscious, but, you know, some goes people... goes back to the musher's secret from last week. Yeah, exactly. Some people go all in, and they, you know, have snowshoes, and they have boots for their dogs, and they go hiking the same in the winter that they do in the warmer months. And that's fine, but if you're not ready to that's make preferred. that huge leap, <laughs> if you're not ready yeah, to make outdoors. that huge leap and um, all of that, then there's a lot of other stuff you can do. So search games is a big one. Uh, treadmills are another one if you have one. And again, if you don't have one, go check out somebody's treadmill that you can use a few times and see if you, your dog likes it. And if they do, you can make an investment to have a treadmill. But at least give it three three uh, yes. sessions before you decide the dog doesn't like it. Yes. Our it, go-to is three sessions. At least try three times for anything yeah. before you just throw it away. it's typically not going to look great the first time you go. Yeah. And then um, fitness, balance discs, and you know core and everything else. And then uh, retrieving in the snow. If you're a woman. Yeah, go with the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, honey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What else you got, babe? Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, not everybody even has snow, but we just yeah. want to give you guys some things to think about here because the weather is getting colder and it's not as pleasant for us to be out, for our dogs to be out, everything else. You got to put boots on. You got to put stuff on your dogs half the time. So consider doing stuff indoors. It doesn't have to be that this is your off season and everybody just sits around and eats until all the snow melts and it gets sunny out there yeah, The again. best thing to do with your dog in the winter is... Get on the couch, hot cup of cocoa, pull the blankets over you. <laughs> Watch a movie. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Be grateful Peace. for what you have in your dogs. Next week, we're going to do our origin story. And um, you can email us at studio at thequirkydog.com. And keep it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.